0: I want you to turn to the book of Joshua, please. Chapter 3, I'll begin reading at verse 1. Let's stand in honor of the Word of God. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. I'll be reading through verse 5. Notice the Word of the Lord. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. That's chapter 2. Now I want you to go to chapter 3 with me. Now it's very important that you keep in mind that they are journeying. It's very important that you keep in mind that spies went out before and came back with a negative report. Now let me stop and tell you, the majority may vote a certain way, but the majority's not always right. Caleb and Joshua were right. They could take the land. They go into a woman's house of ill repute, and God uses her to save them and to get ready for Israel to come in, she would bind a scarlet thread in her household in the window. That represented the blood of Jesus. It foreshadowed the blood and though Rahab was a harlot, you hear me, her life turned around because God included her in the hall of faith in Hebrews. How many of you know God can turn a life around? How many of you know when the blood gets in the wind of your soul things are different? My Lord, I feel him. I could preach that. That's not what I'm going to preach. But chapter 3 says Joshua rose early in the morning and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. And yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it that ye may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. How many of you all know that in our journey, we have not passed this way before? We're in March 2022, and we hadn't been here before. Verse 5. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Go back to verse 3, the B portion, three words go after it. I want to talk about tonight going after the presence of God. Going after His presence. I want you to lift your hand and ask God to touch me. Father, I come to you now in the mighty name of Jesus, that name that is above every name. And God, I would ask you to hide me behind the cross. And Lord, that you would guide me, touch me. Spirit of God, I've never needed you like I need you before. It's a new message for me. It's a new word. Touch me now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you read the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you will find that God pursued man, that God wanted a relationship with man from Adam and Eve, the very first created human beings. God wanted relationship and God would come to the garden in the cool of the day and he would talk with them. And we know that when they sinned, they hid from God and God said, Adam, where are you? And we know that sin separated mankind from God and we know from the story of the patriarchs when God called Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and we know that Joseph being sold into Egyptian slavery was not an accident. Let me stop here and say this. Nothing happens to you by accident. God is in in control of your life. And Joseph and his family would come. And what a reunion between Joseph and his brothers and Jacob. And there they would be established. And then... Pharaoh in his insecurity would become threatened by the people of God and he would force them into slavery and they were given the hard task of making brick and there they were but God would send a Moses to deliver the people of Israel and we know he delivered them with a strong hand but yet because of unbelief and human nature they would wander in the wilderness for some 40 years, but now they've come to the Jordan. And let me stop and say this. Let me talk for just a minute. That God would institute the sacrifice system and that would be the foreshadowing of Calvary. And God would give Moses the instructions to build the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was the tent where God would meet them. And in the tabernacle there was one room called the Holy of Holies. And it was a sacred room. Place it. Only had one piece of furniture, and that piece of furniture was the Ark of the Covenant. And that Ark had a gold lid on it, and it was called the Mercy Seat. And on each side of the Mercy Seat, there was an angelic being created that overshadowed the Mercy Seat and. The mercy seat was where the high priest would go in and he would offer up the blood sacrifice for the sins of the people and it was the place where God communed with man and the tabernacle was the place where they would go and feel his presence and know that he is God. Let me stop. I'm wanting to preach on every little thing that pops in my mind but a while ago when The choir was up singing, Oh Happy Day, and they were singing about He Saved My Soul. I began to feel that presence of almighty God that those Jews felt all those years ago in that tabernacle. I want to tell you there's something real about the presence of God. This isn't a make-believe thing. God's presence is real and it's dear to his people. Somebody say amen. And you see they wanted to worship because God created us to worship. Now let me talk about that ark. That ark was sacred. It was sacred. It literally represented the presence and the glory of God. And there were three things that were put inside that ark. Some scholars say four. But let me just say what the Scripture I know says, and that's three. They put the tablets of the Ten Commandments inside that ark. They put a pot of manna, a pot of gold filled with manna, and it was preserved. And thirdly, Aaron's rod that budded. And I'll talk about these in just a minute. But that would represent the presence of God. And we know that God would lead His people. And now Moses has died. And Joshua is raised up. God raises up Leaders. God raises up pastors. And now you've got Pastor Joshua. And Brother Parker, I thought about it today and I just about had to shout. God told Joshua, He said, Hey, Joshua, just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Folks, I can tell you, you can count on the presence of God to always be with us. He said, I'm going to be with you. And now they're at the Jordan. But here's a problem. Now, I went to the Jordan, and I got to, I, I've got got to dispel a myth or two. We used to say, Old Jordan's deep and wide. Well, it could be deep, but it's not wide. It's not wide. It's about like some of these creeks crossing over into Sardis, and this creek down here, it's not a wide creek. Now, it's the coldest water that I've ever been in in my life. I got baptized in the Jordan River. It is cold, uh, and there may be some deep, places, but it's not wide. But here's the problem. It's the flood stage. The Jordan is flooded, and it is an impossibility for them in the natural to cross the Jordan. Now, let me stop and tell you, there are going to be a lot of impossibilities in the natural, but with God, there is nothing that is impossible. I wish you'd give him a little praise in this house. And they give instructions. Keep your eye on the ark. Follow the ark. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost. But here's the thing, don't get too close. Don't get too close. Now what's that saying? What's that saying? That is saying you reverence the presence of God. Hmm. Boy, I could preach a minute about reverence in the presence of God. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest. When there's a message in tongues being given out, somebody help me preach this now. God is speaking through the Holy Ghost, though it is a human vessel. And we need to be quiet. Well, I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. God, there is a reverence to the moving of the Holy Ghost. I don't treat it just like I'm watching a ball game. I don't treat it irreverently, but I reverence God who is holy. I reverence the holy God. Now, I don't mean that mean. And I've never seen irreverence in this church. I don't mean that, but I'm just throwing that in for good measure. Then he said, sanctify yourselves. What a word in 2022. That word sanctify, we know it as to make holy, to set us apart. How many of you know we are a holy people unto God? now the word sanctify here carries with it the meaning of consecrate. It's Romans 12 1 that says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God. Let me preach here just a second. God told them to consecrate, to dedicate and I've never seen it fail in my life whatever I consecrated to God He sanctified by the word the blood and the Holy Ghost and if you want God to use you consecrate yourself and he will sanctify and set you apart and fill you to overflowing somebody clap your hands if you were preaching out I believe I'd get up and shout We don't realize in the culture of 2021. Is that alright if I preach this or they're going to get quiet and never want me to come back? It does matter how we live. I got two or three amens. It matters what we do. Whew. Let me tell you why you go after the presence of God. First of all, you got to know what that ark contained. And I'm not preaching you anything you don't know. So I've just come by to remind you. First of all, are the tablets of stone. Several years ago, Dan Black at the publishing house gave me an assignment to write devotionals for the Sunday School literature. Years ago, I wrote devotionals for the Church of God Sunday School of literature. And one of them was on the Ten Commandments. And I had studied those commandments, but I never realized until I got into deep study that the Ten Commandments tell us how we, how we are to relate to God and then how we're to relate to one another. It is our neighbor and it is God. And then it began to dawn on me. The Ten Commandments were the overarching way that God would say to the children of Israel and Jesus comes along and he sums it up this. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your strength, mind, soul, body and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, It's going to get quiet in here, but I've got to preach what the Holy Ghost has given me. We are living in a day... When I have never seen the Word of God by so many in society and even churches, the Word of God is being set aside to accommodate the culture. It just really, if we'll overlook this, folks, I want to tell you, I want to say to some people, you no longer believe what this book says it says. But I have come by to tell you that this book, not me, is the authority. This book is the authority and if we set aside the word of God as a church we are only asking for trouble and we are asking to see our churches decay and society further plunge into darkness. If there has ever been a day we need to get this book back and we need to live by the word of this book it is the day and the hour in which we living. I'm going to tell you two areas. Two areas. Number one is sexuality. It's really going to get quiet in here. My dentist today in Vestavia Hills a friend of mine and he told me his daughter taught in a very prestigious school district but she is moving back to Auburn. She and her husband and she's going to take a job in another school and he said here's why she teaches second grade she has an 8-year-old she has an 8-year-old that came to her the first day of school that said although i'm a boy on the outside my parents have allowed for me to choose my gender and i'm a girl and i want you to call me this name and i want my pronouns to be they and them and his he said my daughter said i cannot take this. I have come by to tell you that sexuality is not an accident. God knew what he was doing when he created me. Oh I'm preaching better than you're shouting. God knew what he was doing in creating you. There is one marriage covenant and that's between a man and a wife. I'm sorry but that's what this book says and if there's ever been a day we need to say what the Bible said and we need to speak. I don't hate anybody. I'm not running in anybody down but David said I was fearfully and I was wonderfully made in my creation in the beginning God created and can I tell you it's not up to you to assign gender that's up to the God almighty who created me in the womb of my mother somebody give him praise in this house but wait a minute wait a minute You'll run people off if you preach like that. You just hang around. I'll build disciples, and this pastor will build disciples. Secondly, is another gospel. We're in the day of Galatians 1 6 where people are being moved to another gospel. Preachers get up, they smile so big they can lose a clothes hanger in their smile. They never mention Calvary, they never mention the cross. They talk about our best life is here on earth. You know where I'm going with this? They talk about everything's good and grand and glorious and there's no problems and if you serve God, you're going to be rich. If you serve God, every day's going to be like Friday. Can I tell you the Bible said that I determined to know nothing among you save Christ and him crucified? Galatians 6:14 said, "But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Christ by whom I I've been crucified unto the world and the world is crucified unto me. Can I tell you it is high time that men and women get back in their pulpits and their lecterns and they declare the whole counsel of God and they declare a Christ who was crucified, buried and risen again. It's time we proclaim again that Jesus saves, that he sanctifies and when you get sanctified you get out of the sinning business. He baptized in the Holy Ghost he still heals and can I tell you soon and very soon he's coming to midair and he's going to rapture the true church out of here can I tell you I don't want a weak gospel I want the gospel of this book if you want to go back to Michigan I'll go but I'll go having delivered my soul I want to tell you something. You're a young preacher. Preach that book. I don't care how many devils in hell don't like it. Preach this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. You want to know why? Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for instruction, for reproof and correction in righteousness. And as brother Ray Hughes used to say, God breathed this book and he didn't waste any breath when he breathed it. Somebody give God a little praise in this house. Then... There was the pot of gold, the the gold pot of manna. Not only do we need the Word of God, I'm going to go after His Word, but I must have His provision. I've got to have His provision. I can't make it without Him. Philippians 4, 19 said, But my God, somebody shout, "My my God, shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do you realize the provision of God goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden because in that garden, God gave Adam and Eve everything they needed. God... Provided for their need you go back to the children of Israel listen to me I never have found a pair I put a pair of floor shams on today but I've never found a pair that would last me 40 years I've never found a pair of Levi's that would last me 40 years but their clothes lasted 40 years their shoes lasted 40 years when they came to a place where there was no water water came out of a rock hallelujah when they needed food God gave them manna and in that little coriander piece of piece of food there was every nutrient they would ever need and he'd give them enough on uh, the day before Sabbath that it would last them for two days I'm telling you God will provide for your need God is a God of providence when they got to the Jordan River and it was at flood stage and they couldn't cross as soon as the priest stepped with the ark guess what God parted the Jordan like he did the Red Sea and they walked on over to the other side I want to tell you God is a God of provision can I tell you that my God will provide can I tell you today whatever you have need of God is in the supplying business if you need forgiveness he can forgive if you need healing he's a healer. If you need deliverance, he's a deliverer. If you need a way made, he's a way making God. If you need a prayer answered, he's a prayer answering God. I wish somebody that can testify to the provision of God would wave your hand toward heaven. Mm. Have you ever thought about Elijah? There's famine in the land. There's famine in the land. And God said, I want you to go to Zarephath. Well, let me back up to Cherith. God said, I want you to go to Cherith. There's a brook there. And the ravens are going to bring you bread and flesh every morning and every afternoon. And you're going to drink water out of that brook. There's famine. God's taking care of the man of God. And then God said, to, God allowed the brook to dry up. And don't, don't ever forget this. If, you're, if your brook cherith dries up, God's got a Zarephath for it. And then he said, I want you to go down to Zarephath. Zarephath was a pagan place. And there was a woman there. And she was a widow. Most unlikely place. Most unlikely person. Said she's going to take care of what you need. He gets there and this woman's at the city gate and she's gathering sticks. Can't you see her emaciated hands? Because there's famine in the land. And all of a sudden, Elijah said, would you get me some water? What an outlandish question. There's famine and you're wanting water? And then he said, hey... Would you make me a cake? Now, wait a minute. Who's this preacher think? He, he, he's not skinny. He's not lost weight like I have. He's been eating something. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I can just imagine that boy there looking at his mama. And she said, sir, all I've got is a handful of meal." I've got a handful of meal and it's in a barrel and I've got a little cruise of oil and I'm preparing it. My boy and I, we're going to eat it and then we're going to die but he said no sir I've got a prophetic word for you as long as there's a famine in the land the barrel of meal's not going to fail and the cruise of oil's not going to fail get on in the house and get me that made my God I feel the Holy Ghost I'm going to preach it like I heard Brother Dolan Mayo preach it one time I don't believe God ran that meal barrel over and I don't believe he ran that cruise of oil over but you know what I believe she'd go in to get the the last handful and God would put another one in its place she'd pour out the last oil and God would put more in its place why because step by step and mile by mile God has taken care of me is there anybody that can testify God supplied every need I've ever had he's a good good God he's taken good care of me well hallelujah lift your hand and praise Him 57 miles from here 57 miles you go over past Double Springs like you're going to Hamilton and then you turn down to Brilliant and then you go over across the hills at Brilliant and it'll dump you out in a little place called in Alabama in Alabama is where I pastored my first church started out with 22 people. Listen to me. listen to me, my wife and I are working our fingers to the bones. We're inviting people and we can't gain any traction. Brother Parker, we're working, we're working. We'd been there about seven months. and there was a woman come walking through the doors named Betty Kane. Betty Kane was out of the free Pentecost, and Betty Kane, would drop in just service after service and then all of a sudden people got to come in with her and before long Betty Kane had brought 13 members of her family to our church and they were the kind of people they'd tithe if they didn't eat they were going to give to the Lord and I'll never forget this they all got in our church and got involved and got to working and the whole family called her mama and this is the way that clan lived if mama said she liked you the whole clan liked you if mama didn't like you none of them liked you but mama liked me and said that's a man of God and we're going to church and all 13 came with her but one night the parsonage phone rang and it was mama came she said can you come out here I need to talk to you and I thought what? what's this all about Mama O'Kane lived in the government project houses in Gwin because when Gwin got blown away in 1974, most people lived in the government project houses. i drive out to see Mama, and that living room in that little old apartment is full of, her, full of her kids and grandkids, and I thought, what in the world is this? And she said, well, I just want to talk to you. She said, you've been a blessing to us. you bless blessed these kids. You've blessed our family, and I want to bless you. And she handed me a wide envelope, Remind Reminded me When I started preaching back then, Brother Bobby Joe, they didn't give you a check. They just stuck it all in a tithe envelope and handed it to you. And I'd get out of the side of the church and I'd rip that thing open and count and see if I was going to get to go eat that night. But I'll tell you that night I got in that car to go back to the parsonage and I thought... I thought, oh, there's probably 5 or $10 in here, 5 or ten $1 bills. I opened that thing, and when I stopped counting 20s, I'd counted $300. And can I tell you, when you're barely hanging on the vine, you don't, you're you eating bologna. And my God, you're eating bologna and biscuits. My God, and McDonald's is a treat if you go out to eat. My God, you'll shout over $300. You know what God taught me that night? God taught me if I can use a widow woman in a project, house building to give you $300. I'll take care of you and I've come by to tell you step by step and mile by mile God has provided for my need. Is there anybody that can give him a shout of praise to say he's taken good care of me? (laughs) Then Then there was Aaron's rod that budded. Now let me tell you how this happened. Go back. Numbers chapter 15, 16. Everybody's rebelling. Everybody's rebelling. Everybody's grumbling. Nathan, Byron, one other guy. They've complained against God, and they got out of line with God, and God just opened the ground. Swallows them. I'm going to tell you something. I believe if I saw 250 people get swallowed by the earth, I'd keep my mouth shut I believe I'd know enough to keep my mouth shut. Well, every group they didn't. No, no, we're gonna complain against. Now you ought to. You ought to have me back preach two revivals for this. They're gonna complain against Pastor Moses and Pastor Aaron. Come on, are you with me? Are you with me? So Moses said, "Okay, we're gonna put this to the test. I want every tribe of Israel." to bring a rod the rod symbolized authority we're going to all put them in the holy of holies and we're going to go back and get them and see what happens Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost they go and there's 12 rods there 11 of them Are the way they were when they put them in before. But the tribe of Levi, the tribe of the priest, the tribe of the minister, it's bloomed, it's budded, and it's got almonds on it. My God, I'm about to shout. Some of you know what I'm saying. God said, hey, right there's the line that's going to minister before me, and you better leave them alone. You better not cause them harm. Am I preaching right now? You better be good to Them. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. God said it's the tribe of Levi that's going to minister to me and that minister only. Can I tell you right now? Oh God, Holy Ghost, please help me. I don't what I'm about to say to be mean, but there is only one high priest and his name is Jesus. It's not Buddha. It's not Muhammad. It's not Confucius. Somebody help me preach. But my friend, there's only one high priest and his name is Jesus and right now he's praying to the Father for me. Right now he's making intercession to me. There is only one name given among men whereby we must be saved. That at the name of Jesus every knee must bow and every tongue must confess. I love him. He's my high priest. He offered up himself at Calvary and there will be no other sacrifice because the blood of Jesus availed then and the blood avails today. I wish somebody would shout if you're covered by the blood. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God, I feel him. He set his order apart. Then, Not only there was the miracle of the budding and the fruit of the rod. I want to tell you something. If you need a miracle tonight, God's still in the miracle working business. Anybody believe that? I said, God's still in the miracle working business. This is going to seem very insignificant. Years ago, in the Biloxi, Mississippi Assembly of God, back in the Depression, they had a note on that church and their note was a dime a dime the banker calls and gets in touch with the clerk and says y'all passed you on that note you've got to have it I mean or I'm foreclosing church clerk mustered up seven or eight pennies and that's all he could get hmm And he starts walking down the railroad track from the Biloxi Assembly of God. And all of a sudden he looks down in the railroad track on one of the cross ties and he sees something shining. He goes and picks it up, and guess what it was? It was a dime. It was a dime. Can I tell you, if God back in the Depression can put a dime on the railroad track so an assembly of God church could make their payment, God still will work a miracle. I'm a miracle standing in front of you. I wasn't going to tell any of this, but I'm going to tell it now. Back in, back in April, I came down here for my dad's aunt's funeral. And I was, in, I was in the airport in Charlotte, and my wife's always teased me about how I walk so fast. And I thought it was because I had a mask on every few feet I was having to sit down. I couldn't breathe. I'd get up, I'd walk, I couldn't breathe. And then I was getting lightheaded and losing, losing perception, and I would almost pass out. And I thought, well, this, this, just, this, is, this is my blood pressure medicine. Something's just off. That Thursday, I got home to Michigan. I walked up the stairs in the parsonage, and I was winded and had to sit down. Tammy said, what's wrong with you? I said, oh, it pass. It's been going on three or four days. When she'd hear this, I'm talking about a miracle. I'm talking about a miracle. <clears throat> she said, I told her, I said, okay, Saturday, I've got to teach the interns.'" And I said, once I finish that, I said, if I'm not better, we can go to the emergency room down at U of M in Ann Arbor. Friday, I woke up. I couldn't breathe. My chest felt like there was a, a uh, bulldozer on top of it. Friday afternoon, Tammy came in and she, from work, and she said, you're going to the emergency room right now. When I got to the hospital, my, I, I felt like my heart was about to beat out of my body when I got to the hospital. My heart was beating 228 beats a minute. There were doctors coming in. They were going ballistic, getting all around me. They wouldn't let Tammy anywhere near me. She had to sit out in the car. They said, we're immediately going to take you for a heart catheterization. We're going to take you for an echo. We're going to do an EKG. We're going to do all this stuff. We're going to find out. They bring me out of the uh, heart cath they said you don't have a blockage said it's all clear said that's not what it is they did an echocardiogram the doctor comes back in and he said something's up and and I really don't know what this means I'm not a nurse not a doctor but I know a little bit more than I did know they said you have you your heart has a fraction And your echo fraction, if it is healthy, should be 50 to 60 or 65. Yours is 25. You have significantly weakened your heart. And I looked at the doctor and I said, am I going to get over this? He said, I don't know that you will. They did and they did all tests, and they finally came to me, and they said, you have a condition that is called ventricular tachycardia. I've had three doctors to tell me, and one practitioner, you ought to have died with your heart rate being like it was. Thank God. God spared your life. Now, that was in May of last year. I have had to have a defibrillator, so if I conk out, you don't have to go out there and get one. I hope this one will conk me back. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. I went in August and had another test I had a lady that does echocardiograms that told me this never happens when I went back my heart fraction had gone from 25 to 65 you want to know why because God gave me a miracle God is the God who gives miracles somebody help me preach I didn't die because God wasn't ready for me to die God still got to work can I tell you if you need a miracle tonight God will give you a miracle. Somebody give him praise. we got to go after, and I'm going to quit. I've preached too long. We're gonna go, we've got to go after the presence of God because in his presence there's peace. In his presence there's fullness of joy. In his presence problems seem to vanish. In his presence there's healing. In his presence there's miracles.